Welcome to Minnesota Military Radio. I'm your host, Tom Lyons. On today's show, we're going to visit with the Minnesota National Guard Chaplain Corps on our annual Chaplain's Christmas show. But first, it's time for Generally Speaking, a weekly message from the Adjutant General of the Minnesota National Guard, Major General Sean Mankey. As our days become shorter and colder, we know that the winter holiday season is upon us. Please take the time to pause and reflect on all of the wonders of your life and the beauty the world has to share with us. It could be a smile on a child's face as they open a present. For those who have deployed overseas, a simple warm meal and a video chat with family back home. Take the time this holiday season to stop and appreciate those moments and share that joy with those who are around you. Whether you celebrate Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, Diwali, or one of the many other holidays observed by our diverse organization. Know that you and your family have our warmest wishes. Thank you for everything you do, and happy holidays. Thank you, General Mankey. For more information, please go to minnesotamilitaryradio.com. As I said at the opening, this is our annual Chaplain's Christmas show, one of them that I look forward to every year. And my co-host for the show today is going to be Chaplain Major Keith Beckwith, who currently serves as the Operations Chaplain for the Minnesota National Guard, and as the wing chaplain during drill weekends for the 133rd Airlift Wing of the Minnesota Air National Guard. Chaplain Beckwith, welcome back to Minnesota Military Radio. Thanks. It's great to be here, Tom. Sir, it's great to have you in the studio. I think the last time you were on, it was during the pandemic, and we had to go through all kinds of things to try to get this done and keep everybody apart. But uh, it's great to have you here today. Yeah, it's great to be back in person. Sir, could you give us a little background to understand the Back in 1988, you started out as, as an avionics, avionics mechanic. I can't even say it, Chaplain. Yeah, I uh, I always had my head in the stars, and so I figured, you know what, I'll uh, I'll join the Air Force, and I didn't have the eyes for it, and so I joined the Army, and they told me I could uh, I could work on aircraft, and I said, hey, that's pretty close. So I uh, went to basic training and uh, got a opportunity to have a. Uh, next specialty of professionalism, be avionics mechanic, and got stationed in Germany and absolutely loved that because I took German for six years. And so I had my time in Germany and really enjoyed that that period and got to work on some really unique aircraft and some really unique people. Very good, sir. Can, can you tell us uh, when and how did you become a chaplain? That's a uh, that's a really long story, but I'll make it really short. Um, I just found a, uh, I felt a really heavy pull on on my heart. I was a youth pastor as a army NCO here here in Minnesota in the in the Minnesota National Guard. And uh a lot of times during a drill weekend, people would come up to me and ask for assistance or want to talk about things and I started feeling more and more of a more of a pull in that area. And then we had this event where we prepare and 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 get ready in case we're going to deploy. And the person that was filling in for another person said, hey, you're, chap- you're uh, Sergeant Beckwith. I'm supposed to talk to you about the chaplaincy. And I said, okay, I quit. She goes, what do you mean? I said, you're the fifth person this week to tell me about the chaplaincy. I think I'm supposed to do this. You're being recruited, sir. I was. <laughs> a good thing that that happened. Chaplain, uh, one of the, <clears throat> the theme of today's show is many chaplains, one mission. Can you tell us what that means? Thanks, Tom. I love this idea that... As as the Air Force chaplaincy, when I went to the chaplain school, we had this theme of we're chaplains to all, and we're pastors, rabbis, imams, and priests to some. And the beautiful thing about that is, if that person has that faith tradition, then we might we might be their rabbi or their imam or their or their priest or their pastor. 
But if we don't have a specific faith background or sincerely held belief, we're still their chaplain. We're there to provide for them as they have needs. And if we can't meet exactly uh, either in a sacred rite or a specific spiritual connection for that individual, we make every opportunity for them to be able to celebrate their faith practice as much as possible. And really, chaplain, you're the safe person that on a deployment, a soldier or an airman can go talk to and and feel comfortable about, chaplain, I've I've got some issues. Can you help me? I think my uh, my fellow cohorts today will, will agree with me, but one of the most beautiful things we can hear as chaplains is, hey, chaplain, do you have a second? That's that beautiful opportunity to do exactly what I just said. We get to be a chaplain. We get to step in on behalf of them and listen and be present with them. We talk about ministry of presence. Chaplain Wynn always talks about that's not handing out candies. That's physically being present with our soldiers, our airmen, our sailors, our Marines, and listening to what's going on in their lives and being present in that moment so they know that they're the most important person at that time. And, Chaplain, it's not only, you're not only there for your deployed troops, but someone back here is there for those families, too. Absolutely. In, in fact, uh, Chaplain Puglia, who's one of the guests today, has had the opportunity to be a rear detachment chaplain. So support chaplain to the family members and all the other people that are not deployed with the unit that's forward. And that's a really, really necessary resource because, as we like to say, when you're on training or when you're on deployment, real-world stuff happens at home and and back back where your family is, and to have that resource, knowing that person, and trusting that person, knowing that they're going to take care of your family while you're deployed, is just a great asset. We're speaking with Chaplain Major Keith, Keith Beckwith on Minnesota Military Radio, and Chaplain, uh, you referred to him. Would you like to introduce our next guest? Uh, it would be my honor. This is uh, Chaplain Colonel Daniel Pulyu, and uh, he was my my wing chaplain, and my friend and my mentor, and, and he's now the senior air chaplain for the state of Minnesota. So, sir, it's so great having you here today. Chaplain Pulio, welcome back to Minnesota Military Radio. Good to see a, a familiar face, friendly face. <laughs> Thank you. It's good to be here and uh, um, uh, with you, Tom, as well as with uh, uh, Keith. Uh, he and I have served for many years, um, a little bit in the Army together, and then um, at the 133rd, too. So good to be here. And you've got about 2,300 airmen that you have to take care of between the 148th Fighter Wing and the 133rd Airlift Wing. Well, um, I, I do take that seriously, but I have to say uh, it's the teams on the ground that are really taking care of it. Uh, Keith and uh, and the rest of the uh, Chaplain Corps at the 133rd, as well as uh, uh, Chaplain uh, Daryl Kyle and, uh, and the others up at the 148th. They're the ones who have boots on the ground. They're sitting present with people. Um, and it's my job to uh, largely to resource, to advise, and to um, uh, to support them in any way that I can, as well as uh, including training. So uh, I've got the um, they get the great jobs of sitting in front of people, and I've got the um, coaching job of um, uh, being as supportive as I can to them and filling in where I can too. Chaplain Beckwith, uh, how many chaplains are in the Chaplain's Corps for the Minnesota National Guard? What are you up to? Oh, I knew you were going to ask me that. When you count the total number of, of candidates, chaplains, and religious affairs airmen and religious affairs specialists, it's right around 60. And we have – well, so the Army's unique in the sense that there's one chaplain for every battalion. And the Air Force is also unique in that we have three to four chaplains for an entire wing. And so we try to do a little bit of what the Army is doing. In fact, when my – most recent uh, chaplain in our wing came back from chaplain school. He said, you know, 
being at Chaplin School was kind of like when you're in a really, really good restaurant and that really, really good food goes by and you smell it and you were like, oh, what was that? That looks really good. That's what the Air Force is doing. They're looking at what the Army's doing that's really successful, that's working, and they're saying, hey, how can we do more of that? And Chaplain Puyu alluded to it before we actually started in that the Air Force is really wanting to do more embedded. And so we're learning from our Army brothers and sisters and how to be more directly connecting with our airmen where typically they were just always trying to come to the chapel and we were just staying there and not really going out. Chaplain Puyu, the topic today or the theme is many chaplains, one mission. When you're on deployment, and I know you've been on some, you've got soldiers and airmen all over the place, and and they come from all kinds of different religious backgrounds. How do you deal with that? How do you how do you take care of them? Well, that's a broad broad question there, Tom. But um, in general, you you listen to where they're at, and you ask them specifically what they need. That really is a question uh, that lots of times they don't even know what they wanted. Um, I remember years ago I had. Uh, um, uh, someone who was practicing a pagan religion, and I asked. She asked me. Um, uh, she asked my my uh, religious affairs uh, soldier at the time um, uh, what what um, told him what she was, and said, "Well, what can you do for me?" And he he froze up. He didn't know what to do because he was new. And he came to me, and um, next day I said, uh, "Well, next time you see her, ask her what do you need." And so he did, and uh, he said, "She said, oh, nothing, not right now. Just just wanted you to know." So. Lots of times it's that simple. Other times we might have to make some accommodations for people, but but um, we're glad to do it, and uh, it's really on an individual basis. That's why it's so important to have good relationships with people uh, up and down the line. Gentlemen, we have to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to talk more about uh, the Minnesota National Guard Chaplains Corps on Minnesota Military Radio. Please stay with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Minnesota Military Radio. I'm your host, Tom Lyons. We've been talking with the Minnesota National Guard's Chaplain Corps on our annual Chaplain's Christmas show, and my guests have been Chaplain Major Keith Beckwith, who currently serves as the Operation Chaplain for the Minnesota National Guard, and uh, Chaplain Colonel uh, Dan Pulliu. And uh, Chaplain Beckwith, I want to come to you. You know, it's the holiday season. We're doing our Christmas show. The holidays for most people is a time to get together with family, and they enjoy it, and they get to reconnect with people, but... For those who are home alone, maybe uh, widowed, single, and for our troops that are deployed, it can be a tough time of year. It it definitely can. There's a there's a certain beauty about tradition, and when you break with tradition, it causes a whether you realize or not, whether it's actually cognizant and you're recognizing that it's impacting you, it does. And yet, at the same time, uh, there is something beautiful when you remember where you were. With those soldiers or there were those airmen celebrating those holidays in that deployed location. They're very, very special because they're all you've got. And then it makes when you come home even more special. It's really a different kind of family because you're together with them and you're experiencing the same things. And you maybe just don't feel right and don't recognize I'm a little depressed. This isn't a normal holiday. And and how do you get through it? Well, you pull together with your buddies. Yes. And whether you're with a, the senior leaders or the first sergeants of the units or even the sergeant majors or the chiefs, in our case, in the Air Force, you start to partner with those those stakeholders that really care about people. So the first sergeants, the chiefs, and, of course, commanders. But then you start having these really, really unique opportunities to do some really, really crazy things. And you look back on it and go, wow, that worked. That was really interesting. It probably wouldn't work back in the States. Chaplain Beckwith, uh, in your experience on deployments and holidays, uh, 
Do you come up with activities? Do you come up with diversions? Do you have opportunities for the troops to pull together? Well, I remember as a um, uh, when I was first with an infantry battalion, we were we were doing a peacekeeping mission in Bosnia, and uh, that started way back uh, in uh, everybody up there deer hunts. So uh, our our holiday season really started from deer hunting all the way through Christmas. <laughs> and so one of the things we did, I was just talking to some people at, from that deployment. So there's a reminder that we, we uh, have connections that last for years beyond these things. And we actually had uh, a Deer Hunters Anonymous group that um, uh, we, uh, we had a veteran uh, who made hats for us. He sent them over. Um, we, we all uh, had a song that we, we sang, and then you would stand up and you could say, Hi, I'm Dan. Everybody say, Hi, Dan, and I'm a deer hunter. And then you could tell your story. And so uh, we all thirty point buck, right? We still, yeah. (laughs) Whatever the story was, (laughs) we it had to be as true as any kind of deer hunting story, I guess. But those kinds of traditions have lasted us for a long time. And the people now, what strikes me is, first of all, it's lasted in in uh, in my life. But the people who are deployed now are gaining those same kinds of memories with the people that are are there. So they're still they're making those connections now, whether they're um, supporting us overseas or they're on the southern border. We have people all over the world still in Minnesota Guard, uh, uh, even this holiday season. And they're building those traditions, and yet it costs them something because they're away from family and friends and the traditions that Chaplain Beckwith was talking about, all of those kinds of things. So uh, I also remember when uh, that, that – um, um, uh, country music. I'm not a great fan of country music, but when I was overseas uh, in that same deployment, I just needed to have some country music. And so my wife sent me for Christmas um, the Highwaymen and some other uh, Waylon Jennings and, and uh, Willie Nelson. And those brought tears to my eyes in ways that I didn't even know I liked those guys that much because it was a part of home. So those kinds of connections traditions. are huge. Traditions. And how that relates to Christmas, I don't know, except it's a, it was a Christmas present, and it was that time that I guess I was feeling nostalgic. So we can do those kinds of things for one another, um, whether they're overseas or, you know, it, it can be our um, um, part of our supportive family here, too. It's just being sensitive to those things. Chaplain Beckwith, uh, I need to know how important this is, but he brought up deer hunting, and I know that most of the deployments, after the deployments, the deer hunters get a chance to go out to Wild Wings. Uh, courtesy of the Hugo Yellow Ribbon and Chuck Haas. And, of course, his group is sending gift packages and all these things. How important is that support during and after the deployments? It's so important, Tom, because you don't feel like you're alone. You feel like you're still connected with those most important events that you were missing out on while you were deployed. And then when you get back and those things are kicking in again or there's a family member that's participating in that, it's like you never left. And it's just that it's that reminder that, it's okay to step away from a while and then come back and be and be reengaged. We're really lucky here in Minnesota. There's a lot of groups that chip in and try to take care of the troops and their families and take care of the families when they're gone. That's got to help help uh, all of our troops uh, weather the the storm of the deployment. Absolutely. We're uh, uh, talking today with the Minnesota National Guard's Chaplain Corps on Minnesota Military Radio and Chaplain Pulu. I understand that. Uh, after we pulled out of Afghanistan and we brought a lot of people out of there, that you had an opportunity to go spend some time with those refugees that were trying to figure out, okay, I'm here in America, and now I have to figure out how to be an American instead of a 
of an Afghan or an Afghan American. Yes, that is great. Um, and and uh, I was driving down this morning and thinking that was 14 months ago, and I'm thinking of how many things we've the Minnesota Guard has done since then. But uh, I, I'm glad to spend a few minutes with that because it was such a rewarding place for me to be. And uh, it was a reminder. I, last week I was talking to a veteran who said, was it worth it? And um, uh, t- uh, was was our time in Afghanistan worth it? Which we, we ran across that question several times in, in the last few months I have. But let me tell you a little bit about this because I think this was a great way to, um, to say, yeah, it was worth it. For, first of all, all of those uh, – you know, we we saw in the summer of 2021, we saw all of those planes that were leaving Afghanistan. Well, they all went someplace. And we had a Minnesota National Guard GO team in there at the airport. We did. And that is, um, uh, yeah, that's a whole other story. And, yes, sir. Uh, and is a, it is a great story. Those are the kinds of people I get to serve. And uh, what a privilege. It uh, brings a tear to my eye. Or it's going to make me stop talking. If, uh, we had them on the show and they got back and it was a great story. Oh, it's a We're great story. We're talking about the refugees now, sir. Yes, that's right. <laughs> yeah, uh, squirrel. I saw a squirrel. Uh, so the refugees then would um, – uh, they came to – when, when uh, those who wanted to come to America and were vetted to come were placed in um, on some military bases and starting in September of that year. Uh, they We started processing them for um, both um, uh, all of their immediate needs uh, once the crisis, the basic crisis was over. And then oh, what's their future going to look like? Where are they going to get jobs? Where are they going to settle down in? How are they going to learn English? All of those things. And so... Um, uh, and we started by showing them one of the most beautiful places in America, Fort Dix. <laughs> Fort Dix, <laughs> New Jersey. <laughs> it was great. So so um, we we had... Uh, and then some were sent to the deserts out in uh, 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 New Mexico, and some were sent to Wisconsin. Uh, so they had quite a variety of places to come. And um, uh, as they were doing that, they um, uh, it was called Operation Allied Welcome, uh, we invited them as guests and as future citizens of the United States. So uh, you can imagine they they left on those planes with lots of times just a Walmart bag full of all their that that they had, and so they uh, might come with kids and with family and uh, separated from family and everything else. And uh, the state this was a State Department uh, run organization um, uh, operation, so the military was there to support that. And uh, we provided infrastructure for it and security and uh, just started to figure it out there, which is right down the wheelhouse of what the uh, National Guard does, and uh, just started to figure it out. And uh, I was asked to go. I got there, and there were, um, uh, there were about 8,000 um, uh, guests there at the time, and there were about 2,000 um, uh, workers, uh, civilian and from all branches of the military. And... Uh, um, Twelve chaplains was too, twelve uh, uh, religious affairs teams were too many, so we started to trim it down. Um, I sp- I only spent a month there because they had enough of us, but we just brought some organization to that. Our chief job was to take care of um, uh, the workers, and then advise, and then um, uh, we didn't have a lot of direct uh, responsibilities to the Afghans, but uh, uh, only in support of them. The best part of it was uh, every day about three or f- about four o'clock, uh, we would go outside and just break from whatever work you were doing. And uh, kids were playing soccer. Um, everything else was going on. Uh, adults were chatting. And at five o'clock on a military base, they have retreat 
and then uh, uh, where all the military members stand and, at attention and face then face a flag and have uh, the uh, na- uh, national anthem played. And um, the first day, we were the only ones who did it. The second day, I noticed the kids were standing at attention next to us. And then the third day, uh, everybody was. And that became a tradition all along the way. And it reminded me, yes, it's worth it because um, that kid standing next to me is going to be the next generation of American. And, uh, yeah, it was a real privilege to be a part of that. It reminds me of saying the, the Pledge of Allegiance in, in school when we were growing <laughs> up. And same kind of thing happened. That's exactly right. What a great opportunity to help all of those uh, partners from Afghanistan get resettled in the United States. Yeah, what a privilege. What a privilege. And their stories are fantastic. Thanks for that story, uh, Colonel Chaplain Pouliou. Gentlemen, we have to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to talk more about uh, the Chaplain Corps of the Minnesota National Guard on Minnesota Military Radio. Please stay with us. Welcome back to Minnesota Military Radio. I'm your host, Tom Lyons. We've been doing our annual Chaplain's Christmas show with the Chaplain Corps of the Minnesota National Guard. And, and, and my co-host has been Chaplain Major Keith Beckwith, uh, who serves as the operations chaplain for the Minnesota National Guard. And we were talking to uh, Chaplain Colonel Dan Pouliou. And uh, we're going to meet a new chaplain in a moment. But first, it's time for the Commissioner's Corner, a weekly update from the Minnesota Department of Deve- Veterans Affairs. Now, here's Commissioner Larry Herkey. During the holiday season of giving and sharing, we at the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs express our heartfelt thanks to our veterans and the men and women in uniform who continually protect us. This is a wonderful time of year and another great opportunity to reflect on our mission of caring for veterans and their families. Best wishes for a wonderful holiday season and a new year of health and happiness. The best part of the season is remembering those who make the holidays meaningful. Join me as I take a moment to remember the families who are missing a veteran or service member this holiday season. Happy holidays. Thank you, Commissioner Herkey. For more information, please go to minnesotamilitaryradio.com. Chaplain Beckwith, uh, we've had uh, some good discussions so far today about the Chaplain Corps and uh, many chaplains, one mission, and really enjoyed Chaplain Bullio. Uh, I've met him a number of times over the last few years, and and uh, but now we've got a, you've got another guest. Would you like to introduce him? I'd love to, Tom. Uh, so this is Chaplain Captain Kevin Coder, and a uh, funny story that uh, Chaplain Coder is now the brigade chaplain at the Expeditionary Combat Aviation Brigade here in, in Minnesota, and yet that's where I started my career in the National Guard. So kind of full circle, and it's so glad to ha- uh, have you here today, Kevin, and, and look forward to hearing what you have to help us understand. Well, oh. Welcome to Minnesota Military Radio, Chaplain Coder. Well, it's great to be here, Tom. Thanks. Chaplain, I understand you started out as a, an enlisted uh, soldier, and uh, as, a, as an NCO, you were in charge of a combat stress control clinic. Yeah. Uh, so I was deployed to Kosovo, um, and during that time there, I was the NCOIC of the combat stress control clinic uh, in Camp Monteith as well as in Camp Bonsteel. And so I spent a lot of time working with soldiers and, and uh, helping them kind of um, get through that deployment, uh, which was a, it was a great mission. Well, in the old days, they used to call it combat fatigue, and they'd get a little worn out and a little messed up, and they'd look for some help. That's what you were providing? It was, yeah. Did, yeah. Were there some chaplains there to help you? or? Yeah, you know, so that uh, while I was there, and, you know, that's one of the reasons I became a chaplain is, you know, you know, I'm a, I'm a firm believer that we are full, full people in mind, body, and soul, and, and um, my mission was just the, the mind, and so, you know, um, I was uh, I was called and and felt like I needed to contact the chaplain there and kind of build that connection and 
and uh, to help soldiers also get that soul piece to really help them fully become healed and continue their mission. So I understand that you were commissioned as an officer in 2008 and you became a a chaplain in uh, 2018. Yeah. So uh, I went to OCS and was planning on going into uh, military intelligence and then I was called by God to to serve soldiers. And, uh, you know, as I mentioned before, you know, when I was a mental health specialist, you know, I could definitely... I definitely felt like I needed to offer them more. And, and so, um, you know, working with the chaplain there and seeing how uh, he helped the soldiers and I wanted to do more. And so uh, I was called to, uh, to become a chaplain to assist in, in helping soldiers, um, you know, spill, uh, heal not only mentally, but also spiritually. And it's a, it's a big need for our soldiers. Uh, chaplain, thinking back to when you were an NCO as a combat stress control clinic, working with uh, those folks, and I understand you just returned from a deployment to Iraq and Syria in 2020 and 2021. Is there a big difference between what you were doing in those two spots? Uh, well, absolutely. I mean, the the Iraq and Syria mission was, was much more kinetic. Uh, the Kosovo mission was, uh, was much more of a peacekeeping mission. Um, and so we had a lot of, uh, unfortunately, had a lot of, uh, a few deaths and, and uh, some uh, mass casualty events. And uh, and so working with soldiers who are experiencing uh, that level of trauma, and that level of grief, um, there's definitely a need for for meaning making. And I think as chaplains, that's one of the the things that we do very well is we help soldiers uh, make meaning of traumatic. Uh, transitioning and grief events. Um, and so that's what we do primarily. And, and uh, there's a sacred space that you enter in to help people do that. And, uh, and so it was, a, it was definitely a, a privilege to, to, to do so. So, Chaplain, I'm hearing you saying you helped the, your troops make some kind of sense out of a traumatic incident that happened and, and put it away somewhere, deal with it and then move on with their lives and, and because every day presents new opportunities. Absolutely. And, you know, especially deployed, you know, there's a mission. We're there for a reason. And, you know, unfortunately, we have to continue moving. And so in order to do that, you really have to process uh, quickly and, and well to be able to do that. Because we, we know that if you don't do that, then uh, unfortunately what happens is you don't process it. You just kind of shove it in a corner and uh, once, you, fester, once you know, it uh, almost always festers and comes back to haunt you later. And so, you know, um, part of being over there, you know, working with, with combat stress and behavioral health where, over there, it allowed us to, to help soldiers process what they were experiencing, you know, that trauma, that grief, that transitioning, and to help them move on in a healthy way. We're speaking with uh, the Minnesota National Guard Chaplain Corps on Minnesota Military Radio. Chaplain Coder, I understand that uh, in the civilian side of your life, uh, you are a reverend and you uh, are the director of spiritual life at Walker Methodist, and uh, they manage 20 senior living communities. Uh, so you get to you get to see a whole different group of troops, if you will, a whole yeah. different people in a different uh, time of their life. Yeah, it's it's a uh, it's actually um, you know unique, but it's also very similar to military chaplaincy. Uh, the 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 age demographic is obviously way different. Uh, you know, mostly with uh, in the military, you work with very with young soldiers. Um, but you know, like I said before, you know, during those during that age of um, of se- the senior the elder time frame, you're dealing with a lot of grief. You're dealing with a lot of past trauma usually, 
and you're dealing most importantly with with transition. And so, you know, it goes back to that meaning making. It's it's helping uh, people in that in that chapter of their life. Uh, a lot of times, transitioning into that chapter of life make meaning. And of course, you know, um, and of course, at the end of that chapter, there's a sacred time in which the veil between life and death is very thin. And helping them um, cross over to that uh, through that veil in a in a, in a dignified, uh, sacred way. And man, I tell you, there's nothing more um, powerful and uh, of honor to be able to walk with people as as they enter into that that last last uh, moments of their life. Chaplain, and, that's got to be another time in life where it's, it's kind of traumatic. Uh, all of a sudden you got old. Now you're at a at a change where you can't take care of yourself and you have to go to the retirement home. And, and logically you think, what's next? Right. And what's next is you get to meet the Lord one of these days. <laughs> yeah. So dealing with that as you age has got to be uh, uh, a very important uh, but a very difficult issue. And, and as a young chaplain, how do you deal with all of that? You know, um, it's it's been it's an, really an honor to walk with people and to hear their story. That's that's the by far the best part of my job is hearing people's stories, uh, even the hard ones, even when they talk about you know losing uh, the ability to drive and losing uh, their house and having to move into this community that they're scared about and open the door and walking into a hallway instead of outside their house, um, the grief that comes with that. Uh, the lo- losing that agency in life, um, but also you know hearing their stories because uh, they all have these individual, unique, powerful stories, and so to be able to walk with them in that in that in that last chapter, be there in their grief, be there in their transition, be there in their trauma, uh, and be someone they can talk to, uh, be be someone that they can offer them some resources and 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 whatever they need as far as from the. Uh, spiritual side of things, as well as the the mental health side of things. Uh, and that's just really a privilege. Chaplain, as a young man, I had once served as an orderly in a nursing home, and I found out just what you said, that if you take a few extra minutes and listen, every one of those people has stories. They have a background. They had a life. They have family. And if you just give them a little bit of time and listen to them, it seemed like it cheered them up. Oh, yeah. You know, uh, Chaplain Beckwith mentioned this before that one of the best things we can hear is like, Chaplain, do you have a second? And, and that's really these d- divine inter- interruptions in your life because, you know, life is just so busy. We're constantly going, constantly moving. We're just really busy people in a busy life. And very rarely are we present. And um, I have the job and the privilege to, um, that's part of my job is to truly be present uh, in someone's life. Gentlemen, we have to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to talk more with the Minnesota National Guard Chaplain Corps at Christmas time. Please stay with us. This is Minnesota Military Radio. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Minnesota Military Radio. I'm your host, Tom Lyons. This is our annual Chaplain's Christmas Show. And towards the end of the show, Chaplain Beckwith's going to have some uh, really important words to, to show us about the uh, the holiday season and, and how to live and pray and do those things. But first, we're going to uh, wrap up some of the discussion of the Chaplain Corps and Chaplain Beckwith. I want to come back to you. We've talked about a lot of things from our Afghan partners joining us and and some of your partners in the Chaplain Corps and and uh, how to take care of the of the troops, the airmen, the soldiers, and how to take care of their families and 
seems to me that the, you've got a you've got a lot of things on your list that you need to do as a chaplain in the Minnesota National Guard. We do, and and honestly, Tom, I think one of the most important things that we need to do that we don't always do so well is self care. And the reason I say that is because every every one of the men that are with me right now, uh, we all have one hundred percent confidentiality, and that means an airman, a soldier, a sailor, a marine that tells us something in confidence stays in confidence. And uh, it can't be subpoenaed in a court of law. It can, but we can't say anything. Where and so we have to hold that. Go when he needs help. The mirror. The mirror. <laughs> you can go to other chaplains. You can go to other chaplains as long as as long as the language that you're using is 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 vague enough and innocuous enough that it doesn't specifically point out you know members that somebody would know in the unit and would be able to put those things together. But it's a beautiful thing. I, I asked uh, the good chaplain Beertness. Uh, from the first BCT in 2006, 2008, uh, about two years ago to be my, my mentor, to be my chaplain. And he said, I'd be honored. And he's, he's the guy I go to. And, uh, I'll ask him hard questions sometimes. Hey, I'm dealing with something. What would you recommend? And his vice has always been salient on the point and, and very, very pastoral. It's really good to have a mentor that you can go talk to those during those tough times when maybe you're a little depressed too. Roger. And that guy. Pointing at Chaplain Pulio. We'll get to him in a minute. Chaplain Coder, uh, I want to thank you for joining us today, and uh, thank you for being part of the Minnesota National Guard Chaplain Corps. Uh, We've talked uh, with you about uh, dealing with our young airmen and soldiers when they have traumatic moments, and then dealing with uh, end-of-life things in your in your civilian as a reverend. How do you pull all that together? How do you how do you reconcile that? Yeah, you know. it's interesting because in, in different phases of our life, uh, you know, we develop different psychologically. And, and, you know, the young soldiers, a lot of times they're dealing with identity. You know, they're self-differentiating from themselves, from their parents usually or their, their family units and trying to figure out who they are as, as people. And, of course, you know, later in life, typically uh, the, with the seniors that I work with, they are looking back at their life and and, and trying to make meaning or – uh, to have some in, in, some integrity and be proud of the life that they've lived, um, and so, you know, taking those two things together, um, helping soldiers that are that are young that are trying to figure out who they are, and and helping them, so when they become older, they can look back at their life and and be proud of what they've done, um, that they can, um, you know, hopefully not have any, you know, post post traumatic stress disorder or moral injury. Uh, and helping them. So, you know, really working with both of these um, really very different um, age groups um, has, has really complements each other because really at the end of the day, we're all humans, right? And we all have human issues. Uh, we all face trauma. We all face grief and we all face transitions. And, and to be able to work with both ages uh, really complements, I think, uh, compliments, you know, the ministry that, that, that we, I, I have a chance to do. Learn from the young, learn from the seniors, and take what you've learned and help both the chaplain. Thanks for joining us today. Mm-hmm. Chaplain Bullio, uh, airmen. You're, we have three airmen chaplains in here. Are we looking for some new airmen in the, in the Minnesota Air National Guard? Listen, we could always use uh, airmen, and uh, I'll, I'm, uh, I'm joint enough to um, uh, recruit soldiers, too. First of all, we need... Uh, we need um, religious affairs, airmen, and soldiers. The, that's the other half of our team uh, that get teamed up with a with a chaplain. Um, 
And uh, we, we are always looking for, for people who are interested in, in helping uh, uh, their, uh, their fellow um, uh, warriors. Yes, we need chaplains all over the place. Um, we are, uh, we are getting, we're always in a um, forward focus towards uh, readiness uh, for, for what uh, – leave the place better than we found it was what one of my commanders sa- said a long time ago, and that's what we're trying to do here. So if anybody's interested, um, contact the 133rd. Uh, which is in St. Paul, the 148th in Duluth, uh, or any of their local recruiting offices or uh, for the Army side, Chaplain Wynn. There's uh, all kinds of opportunities. I wish I could give you a, a more specific one, but that's the way we work in the in the military. Uh, we leave it a little bit vague, so you have to seek and find. Chaplain Pulio, thanks for joining us again today. As is tradition on the Chaplain's Christmas show, at the end of the show, we uh, – Look forward to our co-host uh, telling us uh, some good thoughts about the holiday season. And Chaplain uh, Beckwith, uh, it's all yours, sir. Uh, thanks, Tom. I'm a history buff, and I'm also uh, a guy that just loves loves visuals. And I don't remember when it was. I actually looked it up recently, but it was around 2014. I was sitting there. It was in between some television show that my wife and I were watching during the holiday season. And it was a special Sansbury's chocolate commercial by a, a British chocolate bar company. And I'm watching this commercial and I started to cry. And then I started to weep. And I realized the power of the visual that I was looking at. The Sansbury's chocolate commercial took the story of All Quiet on the Western Front when everything just stopped. And the the way that the story goes is there is a, in the distance, German troops were singing carols, and the British troops thought that was awkward to hear, and so they, they stopped for just a minute. And what happened, what transpired next, was one of the most beautiful things that can happen in a combat environment. They stopped wanting to kill each other. And they got out of the trenches, and they actually had a foosball in German, foot soccer in, in American game, and they exchanged gifts. And this candy company picked up on that, and they had the entire theme of this candy bar released during this particular time of the year be about uh, this German individual handing a gift over to the British and the British handing a gift over to the German. And when the German got back to his trench, it was this Sansbury candy bar. And I love that because the holiday season, as you know, as, as my, my two friends here, the chaplains that I'm, I'm serving with and have had the pleasure to serve with, difficult times can come right smack dab in the middle of the holidays. And we all of a sudden start to allow things that really don't matter start to matter. And then next thing you know, we're at war with each other in our homes and our families and our marriages and everywhere. We get frustrated with people that have nothing to do with anything except for the fact that we were frustrated with them. And here's this beautiful reminder, this beautiful visual. If people that were at war with each other in separate trenches in the Western Front could stop and focus on this thing of peace on earth and singing carols and finding a truce. Maybe we can find a truce in our lives as well. 
And as we look into this holiday, whatever you celebrate, Christmas or Kwanzaa or Hanukkah, as we're right in the middle of Hanukkah right now, find that opportunity. I really encourage you to find that opportunity to find the best in people. Whether it's Chaplain Puyu having the ability to love on, I love that phrase, to love on the Afghans that were evacuees coming home to a new country and a new experience, or Chaplain Coder who's walking alongside men and women who are in that thin veil of what's next. We have the opportunity this holiday season to make a difference, and I hope that you have that opportunity to put the strife down and find peace with one another. Uh, please join me as I pray in my tradition. Almighty God, I thank you so much for the joy and the gift that you give us of yourself, of each other, of family, of friends. May we cherish those things. May we make the things important, important, and may we make the things that are not necessarily important pale in comparison to that which is important. To look each other in the face and to say, I love you, or I appreciate you, or you matter. And to find in this holiday season more space and grace and time with each other. Have a wonderful Christmas. Have a happy holiday. Amen. Thank you, Chaplain Beckwith. We're just about out of time. Thanks for listening to this edition of Minnesota Military Radio. I'd like to thank our guests for joining us this week, Chaplain Colonel David Pulyu, Chaplain Captain Kevin Coder, my co-host, Chaplain Major Keith Beckwith, Commissioner Larry Herkey, the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs, and finally, Minnesota's Adjutant General, Major General Sean Mankey. Please join us next week for our annual Year in Review with Governor Tim Walls and MDVA Commissioner Larry Herkey. That's coming up next weekend on this station or online anytime at minnesotamilitaryradio.com. I'm Tom Lyons, and I hope that you make a difference in someone's life this week. Minnesota Military Radio is a production of iHeartMedia, the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs, the Minneapolis VA, Beyond the Yellow Ribbon, and the Minnesota National Guard. Your host is Tom Lyons, founder and owner of Phelan Partners Limited, a merger and acquisition advisory firm. Tom is a life member of the American Legion, VFW, Vietnam Veterans of America, and the DAV. For podcasts and the latest updates, follow us at Minnesota militaryradio.com.